call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 movement, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. My name is Holly Powell, and I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan-Hale, and I am also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. And he hasn't been on the show for a while, but we are thrilled to announce the return of the official linguist of the Collect Call. Hello. Yay. <laughs> I'm Frank Smith, and I'm also a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis. But are you a layperson? And I am a layperson. Okay. <laughs> He's also known as Brendan's husband. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Yeah. Well, this podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life, as seen through the lens of the collects in the Book of Common Prayer. Now, collect is kind of a funny-sounding word, but it's just another word for prayer. And it's spelled like collect, as in you might collect consumer products that have been around for at least 100 years, including the films of Universal Studios, Greyhound bus tickets, a subscription to Vanity Fair magazine, an American Express account, Necco wafers and the Raggedy Ann doll. Those are all pretty iconic things, Brendan. They are. Has Raggedy Andy also been around for a hundred years? Raggedy Andy has just just barely. Uh, so Raggedy Ann is a little older. Raggedy Ann is a cougar. <laughs> <laughs> she totally is. Well, there is a reason for that collection. Yes. Which is that this is our hundredth episode. Yay! <laughs> you guys can't see this, but I was doing sparkle fingers at home. You know, like jazz hands. Exactly, Brendan. A hundred episodes. I know. Remember when I emailed you and I was like, "Let's do a pilot project through Easter." And I was like, "Go seven whole weeks of podcasting." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I guess. <laughs> and uh, here we are a year and uh, a year and a half later, and we are on yeah. episode number 100. We're going to run out of collects, Holly. I know, I know. We're really going to have to talk about that, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also, you know, technically, this is, it's probably not exactly our 100th episode, because early on, we would do these random, like, 19.5s and... Like when, when I remember one time we did a haiku contest and we did a little special 10 minute podcast to talk about our submissions. Yeah. So I gave that one a 0.5 and the other one I gave a 0.5 was the episode about the Pentecost vigil. Right. Yeah. So I think this might be the 100 second recording we have done, uh, but it's just the 100th full episode. Right. I, I just, as an accountant, it was really important for me to point <laughs> that out. Um, so, we've got some special stuff for you guys on this very exciting occasion. But, I think the first thing that we should do is say a little prayer. Let's do it. So, this collect is a unique production. <laughs> um it is the collect for the anniversary of the dedication of a church, which you can find on page 254 of your Book of Common Prayer. But it has been slightly mollified. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that collect was so mad. I know. We tried to calm it down a little. <laughs> slightly modified for this special occasion by our own Brendan. So here you go. 
Almighty God, to whose glory we celebrate the dedication of this podcast of prayer, we give you thanks for the fellowship of those who have tweeted to us, shared their stories with us, and worshipped with us. And we pray that all who seek you here may find you and be filled with your joy and peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 That is the only collect I have ever heard that included the word tweet. (laughs) Yeah. It might be the first, but I bet it won't be the last. No. You know, I'd say this is pretty good. It's no Reverend Dr. Massey Shepard Jr., but... Brendan, you're getting close. Yeah, well, maybe. So, (laughs) but I do think, you know, anybody who is trying to seek God in this podcast ought to pray this collect extra hard. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And other prayers as well. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so excited for the show that we have lined up today. I am too, Brendan. It is so fun. You know, we have been doing this for a long time and we could not have done it without some very special people yep of course we have the official linguist here who we will spend some more time talking to in a bit before that there are a few interviews that we wanted to share with you the first is um, a very special interview with one of the often referenced but rarely heard members of this podcast and that is my daughter chelsea i am so excited for this interview holly (laughs) it's a good one let me tell you she has a lot to say just to be fair we should put a cat disclaimer on this episode (laughs) (laughs) yes yes we should hashtag cat disclaimer i expect chelseaisms i don't know if there are any in this one but probably probably test test okay (laughs) Cool. So you can see your lines on the screen there where you're talking. Hi, everyone. This is Holly Powell from the Collect Call. And one of our primary, um, although often unheard, guests on the Collect Call is my daughter, Chelsea. Chelsea, how old are you? Six. And uh, what grade are you in? First. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Chelsea Powell. Um, I am cute. People say that, um, I have lots of freckles, and first grade's kind of fun. You get to watch kindergarten and lunch at lunchtime. It's kind of cool. What's cool about it? It's like, (laughs) you got to, you get to, um see them throw away the trays, go line up, tell them what to do. Oh, you get to tell them what to do? No, the teachers do. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite part of school? I would say learning. Learning, okay. What do you like to learn about? Um, I would like to learn about seasons, most seasons, and animals. Why would you like to learn about animals? Because I have two cats at home. <laughs> Tell me about your cats. Their names are Bodie and Bella, and Bodie's young, and he's, he's funny. Sometimes he likes to bite. 
Yeah, he does like to bite sometimes, doesn't he? <laughs> and um, Bella, she's um, the older one. She loves, she mostly likes to repent. And mostly she's grumpy sometimes. She's grumpy sometimes, yeah. And that's mostly about her. Yeah. She likes to hide from strangers that she doesn't know about. That's true. She does hide from strangers. Do you like to play any sports or anything? I like to play soccer. Oh. I've been playing it for two years. Three years. Three years. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Longer than you thought. <laughs> um. Let's see. What else? Do you like to do anything else? Um. I like to stuck on. On the couch with my mama. Yes, you do. And mommy likes that too. P.S. <laughs> um, what's your favorite food? Um, pickles. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you some questions about church. Is that okay? Okay. What do you like about church? That my friend Patrick goes there and... Allison's mom that my dad knows go her mom I think it's her mom goes there and I just enjoy it. Yeah, what is your favorite part of church? Sometimes you let me stay get sometimes your mom and Patrick's mom lets me uh lets us come in once all by ourselves. Oh, what do you like get to sit in the pew by yourself with Patrick? What about the bread? Can you tell the people that are listening to this um, how to do the bread? It's like you, you, if you um, are honored in the Sunday school, you get to take the bread and wine up to the front, and you get to dip it in there. And the wine, or you get to eat the bread and drink the wine. What do you like to do? Eh, mostly I like to drink the wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what about praying? Do you like to pray? Um, I've come night. I don't really know how to pray, but I'm confused with it. What's confusing about it? I don't really know how to do it, or you just think of imagining things, or you just see in your eyes. Oh, that's a good point. I never thought about that. Um, when I pray, I just like to kind of pretend like I'm talking to God. Like I'll just, like I would talk to you. I just say, um, "Hi, God. It's me. I have a question." Have you ever tried doing that? Uh, no, but, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, sometimes I like to open my eyes and try to imagine things with my eyes opened. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Again. <laughs> what have you imagined before? Um, Bodie with Bodie um, came to church and he said, Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that would be fun, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he would probably get lost underneath all the pews. Well, why don't he stand on his two legs? <laughs> like a human? <laughs> if he stood on his back legs? Yeah. 
It'd be kind of uh, cute and awkward. <laughs> so, anything else? Do you have any questions about God or Jesus that we should talk about? Um. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Um. Do you have any questions for mommy? Yes. Are we gonna get another cat? <laughs> Are we gonna get another cat? I doubt it. Um, maybe, maybe not. Um, yeah, I would say it's probably leaning towards maybe not right now. Because <laughs> you know what? Mommy has enough to take care of around here. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. you you do a pretty good job. You scoop the cat boxes and feed, feed them. them. Take and care of them. Cuddle you, them. You do. You do a very good job with that. But... He's a butt. <laughs> <laughs> but, but kittens are a lot of work. Just like, I think they're cute. Oh, they are cute, but they're also a lot of work. So, mm. probably not. Aw. Anyway, okay, um, we need to go get ready for work and school, but is there anything else you'd like to say? Yes, you said but again. <laughs> Holly, your daughter is so cute. Oh, thanks. I think she's pretty great. And also theologically insightful. Isn't she, though? <laughs> <laughs> She gets that from her mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thanks to Chelsea, who um, will not be listening to this because she doesn't have a pod on which to play a podcast. <laughs> but I'll let her watch an extra half hour of TV or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, the next interview we have lined up, we decided to let a priest onto the show this week. We did. We felt like we might need it. Yeah, so uh, this podcast was inspired by another show uh, that is now on semi-hiatus, and that is Easter People, which was uh, produced by Kyle Oliver and friends from the Center for the Ministry of Teaching at Virginia Theological Seminary. And, you know, I think it's so cool that when I first listened to this show, I just started tweeting at Easter people, and then eventually Kyle and I started tweeting back and forth, and then, like, we met in person at General Convention, and then last week he was at my house. And uh, I know it's just, you know, Twitter is more of than, like, saying what you're having for breakfast. It's building real relationships around the church, and I think that's super cool. It is very cool, and I'm so excited to hear this interview. Kyle has definitely been... A little bit of a, a a Yoda, if you will, in this podcast journey of ours. Yes, <laughs> Podcasting, you are. <laughs> well, listeners, I am here with uh, the inspiration uh, for this podcast uh, back in its early days. Previous guest on the show and a collaborator on the General Convention Live Show, Kyle Oliver. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Kyle. If you hear some background noise, it is because we are sitting in my dining room as I simultaneously have a furnace being installed below us and uh, some people above us uh, keeping raccoons out of my attic. Uh, So you may hear some banging from time to time, but it is all for a good cause, I assure you. I think that's par for the course for church people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Raccoons in the attic. This might be a good day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're not also tuning the organ. Yeah. (laughs) 
So, Kyle, actually, um, I, I think the reason you're actually in town is kind of interesting. You can oh. say a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So, um, Easter people listeners will uh, know about our yearly conference at Virginia Seminary called eFormation. It's a conference, and we hope increasingly a learning community on ministry in a digital world. And that program got a grant about uh, I don't know, six months or so ago to support our reaching out to other theological educators who might be working to equip both current students and um, the church more widely in using digital media tools for ministry. We've thought a lot about what that work is like serving the church more widely, but haven't actually thought, you know, what would it be like if we got together with other seminary educators and tried to do some of that work in concert. Uh, I'm in Indianapolis particularly because one of the groups that we know of that is doing that work very well, and in, I think a complementary way to how we try to do it, is the New Media Project at Christian Theological Seminary here in Indianapolis. So we had some uh, formal interview type conversations yesterday, and today we're going to talk um, less formally about how we might work together. Yeah, awesome. So, on a different topic, going back to uh, you know uh, the Easter People podcast, what what is your origin story? Oh, in podcasting, yeah. Well, I think it starts very very young. I grew up a radio kid. Uh, we lived in the town in Florida where the Pirates Spring Train, the Pittsburgh Pirates Spring Train. So um, I used to listen to in the summer. I used to listen to um, baseball games on the radio when I went to sleep. And it was it was really to the point. Even as a little kid, my mind, you know, was not good at quiet time. Yeah. And uh, so it got to the point where when I was going to sleep, I always needed to be listening to some kind of audio, but it couldn't be music. So I listened for a uh, seven-year-old kid to frightening amounts of uh, Larry King Live and <laughs> assorted other early evening and later late night radio. Uh, thankfully, that didn't have a lasting political uh, effect, <laughs> but um, but it did, I think, have a just have a lasting effect. And just uh, me, like fall in love with audio. Uh, so we, we've always been a you know an NPR listening family and uh, definitely a baseball on the radio listening family. I, to, I just love radio and love audio, and I, I was keen on the idea of podcasts back in the iPod days. Uh, but I just found it too much of a hassle to keep them updated, yeah. you know, when you had to plug them into a computer to transfer oh the God. shows. So much work. Stone Age. <laughs> but when I when I made the upgrade, um, about, only about three years ago actually, to a smartphone, then I was pretty much all in, yeah. uh, almost, you know, from the, from the get-go. Started devouring podcasts and, you know, was really interested in the early days of my work as the digital missioner in the Center for the Ministry of Teaching, was really interested in the possibility that podcasts had for, for faith formation. Yeah. Um, you know, we're always talking, or we were always talking before social media about how do churches engage people besides on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or, you know, even when they came to church more often, um, both on Sundays and during the week than they do now, we still have this question of how do we, how do we touch them? How do we support them? How do we guide them um, the rest of the time? Right. And I think podcasts are, are one possible, very good answer to that yeah. question. So uh, t tell me more about the specific goals of Easter people. Um, what, what did you intend when you yeah. uh, started the show? I, I think drawn on partly by that devouring of, of podcasts, including um, the show that really inspired us, um, I, I guess our, our Easter people to your 
collect call, if that makes sense, is collect call. I don't know why I said collect call. Um, okay, easy mistake to make. Um, <laughs> it's, really, it's early. I'm not through this coffee yet. Yeah. Um, the inspiration for us was a show on NPR, the NPR called Pop Culture Happy Hour. Yeah. And you know, if you've listened to even a single episode of that show and a single episode of ours, uh, you immediately recognize that the formats are, shall we say, very similar. Um, in the beginning, we had four people, three guys and one woman, although that wasn't you know, necessarily intentional. It was just this was the group that wanted to do the show. Similar sort of structure of, of segments. And so I had just devoured you know, something like 100 back episodes of that show when I uh, first encountered it. Two things, you know, jumped out. One was that the show, to me, was less about whatever particular culture they were talking about that week necessarily than it was about the relationship yeah. among the hosts. And you know, I felt like they invited you in to join in their relationship. And I was, uh, you know, not in a, I don't say that in a naive way. You know, yeah. they're not my best friends or anything. But but they're sharing a bit of themselves in a way that I think resonates. You know, I, it brought me back to conversations sitting around talking about music and other things in college with with my friends you yeah. know and so there was a parallelism there so one was you know we said well you know we've got this set of relationships uh, lisa randall um myself and, and and jason so part of it was we realized that we had a relationship we wanted to share and that just grew as we got to know each other better through talking to each other every every month um, for a couple hours. And then the other thing was we, you know, the four of us really believed that like culture matters and the church's engagement with culture matters. And at the time, we had a very difficult time finding any church engagement with culture that I didn't, and this is the phrase I always use, that didn't reek of meanness. Right, right. Um, <laughs> there are so many, there are so many purported enthusiastic pop culture blogs out there in the church world that ultimately get really preachy and really judgy and are basically about having a springboard to a conversation about uh, a, a sort of kids these days rant yeah. <laughs> um, about, you know, so it's like maybe it's okay that we like this stuff as long as it's mostly having us, uh, you know, talk about what's wrong with the world. Right, and, right. And so that was sort of the inspiration for we want to show that is about um, in its engagement with the culture, more often than not talking about what's right with the world. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Green Shoots, our final segment, you know, blatantly ripped off of the what's making us happy this week on Pop Culture Happy Hour. Green Shoots, I think, was about that in particular, about you know, naming the signs of new life. And sometimes those are deeply theological and, and meaningful, and sometimes they're silly TV shows. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay, that having those next to each other is part, I think, of the statement we're trying to make. Well, and one of the things I found so exciting about Easter People when I first came across it uh, was that, I, A, it was an Episcopal podcast that wasn't a sermon. There, uh -huh. there wasn't much out there then. The, the landscape is a little bit more varied these days. Um, but also that, unlike so much of the Episcopal blogosphere or the general Christian blogosphere, it wasn't about the big controversies. Uh, it was hopeful and fun conversations uh, about faith. And, you know, as many people are in the church, I mean, some of this stuff, I don't know, I'll speak for myself, I'm just tired. Oh, gosh, yeah. uh, it doesn't mean it's not important, but I'm tired. Uh, and Easter People um, was really fantastic as a way to, to think of, to, to remember um, why I'm part of this faith to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, I think for us that was partly because our just like personal inclination. Um, partly, I think for me and Lisa that we're at a seminary where some of that stuff is being trotted out all the time and sort of trying to get away from from some of that. 
But I think some of that is also, three of us, I think, would identify, probably everyone but Jason, would identify primarily as faith formation ministers. Mm -hmm. And even Jason, you know, that's a huge part of, of his job. And I think that that is sort of a special gift of, of the faith formation community in the Episcopal Church, um, at least as I've experienced it, is a willingness to focus on the basics, you know, the, um, the sort of matters that would come up in a, in a catechumenate class, to talk about it formally, or just, you know, in, in the course of introducing people to Christianity, yeah. I believe those are, those are non-controversial right. things by and large. We've, we've thought about things, and others have said this, we've been fighting about things that are not essential to the faith. Right. Um, and, and we wanted, you know, through this broad cultural show, to actually talk about things that are, are essential to the faith. Yeah. The faith and learning and service. What is it like to, uh, you know, whatever it is, pray, worship, right. you know, and on, a, on a surface level, because that's sort of what you can do on a panel show that comes out once every couple months, but in a broad way and in a, in a way that we can all sort of get behind as a group, I think. Well, so you've told me that one of the goals of the Center of Ministry of Teaching is to kind of model some of the things that, that the church can be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, so as, as you know, you and I have uh, talked about, you know, what we were doing on the Collect Call, you, you had said that one of the things that you had hoped yeah. uh, was that Easter people would spawn um, additional podcasts. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and I think that's our, our constant goal is to get out there and try something and it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, um, almost every Episcopal podcast out there right now has, um, I think, um, gotten their heads around the basics of quality audio production <laughs> right. and, and other issues, you know, much better than we have. And we're not actively producing regular shows anymore. And that's, that's, that's a part of that. But yeah, we, we really view our job is to go out there and try things and, and play a little bit and, and find some partners. And and uh, and see what happens. Yeah, although I'll, I'll say you know one of the things with with your early shows and obviously you know audio um, it, it started off a little rough yeah. and got better and call it call the same way. I go yeah. back to episode one, people. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's terrible. Yeah. I'm, it's actually a pretty good show. I, I went back and I was actually surprised by how well we did on episode one, but mm. the sound quality is awful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, but but the fact that it wasn't perfect was like. I suddenly, but still listenable. I was like, "Oh, we can do this." Yeah, that's a church. So, yeah, um, you know, uh, not perfect, but functional. Yeah, <laughs> and faithful. Right. Right. Yeah. So cool. Well, uh, I, I'm so glad uh, that that uh, that you know you engaged in this project, um, and uh, I look forward to, to Easter people doing more special episodes. I miss you guys. Yeah, we we miss each other and we miss doing it, and uh, we want to do that too. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna look for opportunities to do that. And uh, thank you for having me on the show, for having me in your home. Um, good luck with the records. <laughs> Kyle. You know, we didn't talk about it in the interview, but the other incredible accomplishment that Kyle had uh, was he designed the quiz for our live show at General Convention. Oh, so good. And I cannot imagine the amount of work he put into digging into the back catalog to dig up all yeah. this stuff that I barely remembered. Oh, a lot of it I didn't remember. <laughs> I was a little embarrassed. Yeah. That show is definitely worth uh, going back and listening to. Last but not least, we have one more interview with someone who has been with us since the very beginning and is probably heard more than any other guest um, that we've ever had on this show. Yeah, he has, in fact, been on every single show. 
So, which is actually more than Holly has. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Thanks, pneumonia. <laughs> well, without further ado, we present you with a secret Canadian interview. My name is Aaron DeVries. I am a librarian by trade. I live in uh, Innisfil, Ontario, which is uh, straight north of Toronto, about an hour. So uh, southern Ontario there. And lately, between working at the public library that I'm at and being at home with now three kids uh, and my wife, uh, that's, that's life. So three kids under five years old. And uh, yeah, they keep us going. So. Well, and I understand that one of them is a lot under five years old. Uh, quite a bit, like almost five years under five. Uh, so she was uh, <laughs> uh, on the 20th, which is just over, what is that now, a week, two weeks ago almost? Yeah, yeah just about, yeah, like 10 days. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And things are going really well, all things considered. So a little bit less sleep, but, you know, it's the third time, so it's, it's old hat. Yes. You know what you're in for. Should be, yeah. Well, so I want to talk to you um, about the uh, music that you and uh, your friends do. Uh, obviously, our listeners are really very familiar with one, uh, with exactly one of your songs, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. Uh, but you've done a lot more than that. Can you talk a bit about the Badgerland project, kind of what its origins are and who's involved? Sure. Uh, I. I'd like to say that it's this huge thing that takes a lot of effort and time. It does take quite a bit of time, kind of once every year to throw together a Christmas album at this point. Uh, so it's it's turned into that. I'd say probably the origins of the idea start back, way back when I was even in high school. A friend of mine that I, I knew through youth group get-togethers through church, we uh, would both bring guitars along and make songs together. And back then we had a a GeoCities website, uh, which tells you how long oh, it man. was. We would, we would set up like, I think we had between 10 and 20 GeoCities accounts just so that we could post MP3s and not run out of space. So we had all of our songs <laughs> posted on there and it would take people, you know, half an hour to an hour just to download the song. And we tried to put up a song every week and the songs were extremely mediocre, kind of about the most <laughs> random things about I don't know, pickle chips and monkeys and just anything you can think of. And, uh, but it was just for the sake of doing it, uh, for no other reason at all. And we didn't care so much about quality, uh, the quality of the recording. We weren't that great at playing guitar or even songwriting, but we just did it for the fun of it. And so that continued on through high school. And then we both kind of went our separate ways in university, uh, my friend and I, and I continued to kind of do some home recording here and there, just kind of as a hobby. Uh, my brother is very musically talented, and so whenever we would get together, we would usually try to record a song or two, just keep it on the computer and and uh, just have fun with it, but never take ourselves seriously. And then one year, decided to email all of my musical friends and say, hey, let's put together a Christmas album. Let's see what happens. You know, maybe we'll get five songs. Who knows? And ask all your friends, any friends you know that that play music and would be willing to record songs just you know send them my email address tell them by such and such a date send me a song and I'll post it up and in the spirit of earlier recordings of high school what seemed to work I said to, to everybody there's no rules any genre any quality you don't have to know how to play 
it can sound like complete garbage. If it gets sent to me, it will be added to the album. And uh, so that was in 2009. And that was the first Songs for Christmas album. And it was a big hit. I think there was 19 or 20 songs. Uh, and true to form, they ranged all kinds of different sounds and different people, mostly hobbyists, not too many serious musicians. And, and it was pretty fun. By 2010, the, the name Badgerland came around. And that the, the name itself kind of harkens back to, again, my brother and I, uh, as kids, with our huge imaginations, we had, we had a game that we played. I'm going to say that it was mostly his creation, but it was called Pygmy Badgers, where you, you hold your hand like this, <laughs> four, four feet, and then your middle finger is your the, the badger's head. And there's, there's three types of badgers. Uh, one type can dig, another type can fly, and then the third type can run really fast. And so we would play this in the back seat of the car, and the middle seat belt was one of two things. It was either a large snake, which was our predator, and uh, or <laughs> or you could stretch the seat belt across up to our parents' seats up top, and it was a bridge that allowed the running ones to get up where the flying ones were. So, anyways, it was a very complex system. And when we thought back on it, I, I referred to it as Badgerland, like the back seat of the car was Badgerland, and that's where our imagination just went wild. Right, we were in this thing. Usually when we played, it actually ended up in us fighting and hurting each other with the snake, smashing each other's hand with the metal end of the buckle. But, yeah. <laughs> which maybe reflects what some of the recordings are like too. But anyway, it, it's just kind of fun and whimsical and it just seemed like a, like a fun name for it. So my brother and I do still do recordings together when we get together. Uh, he lives quite a ways away from me, so it doesn't happen too often, but we always would try to do a Christmas song at least once a year for the Badgerland Christmas album. And that's, Kind of how it happened and so since 2009 uh, under the the name badgerland then we've done each year we've also done a couple albums uh on different topics actually i think only two one of them is on the province of saskatchewan in canada uh, i don't think anybody who wrote a song for it had actually ever been there that didn't matter we just kind of randomly picked a topic and, and sang about saskatchewan on, on a, a number of songs uh, and then there's another one just on spring because we thought, okay, we're doing a lot of Christmas albums. Let's do one for the kind of, you know, regeneration of the earth in the spring and good feelings and, and stuff like that. So we, we've got a fun one there. So we often talk about doing more uh, different albums, but again, we're all kind of busy people working full time with, with just a passion for music and, and whatever, whatever kind of happens, happens. I tried to quit doing the Christmas albums, Horror of Horrors, one year, and uh, people <laughs> will send me stuff anyway, and then you feel really guilty not putting it together, so I think it's going to just keep going until people stop sending songs. I, now I don't know a bunch of the people that are, it's just, it's taken on a life of its own. I don't, they're not all friends. I had somebody send a song, I can't even remember the name of the band now, I'd have to look at the site now. But it's that Schneeflocken or Schnoeflocken from Austria. I have no idea who these people are, <laughs> right? But it's it's kind of the beauty of what it's turned into. So like Badgerland is now this place where just you know if you stumble on it and you happen to have the urge to sing a song and you send it to this guy in Canada, he will post it on the <laughs> internet along with a whole bunch of other things and just for the sake of doing it. So that's kind of what it is. Well, I, I can guarantee that your listeners uh, do not want a submission from me. I am distinctly lacking in musical talent uh, in fairly spectacular fashion. That, that may, in yeah. fact, uh, be a, a stronger case for you to submit something. 
uh, maybe a spoken no, word, no. spoken word over top of some sort of xylophone randomness, or you know, it, it could be anything. I I believe in you. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about just the role of music in your life. It sounds like it's been something that that is involved in friendships and family. Is that fair to say? Very much so. I think uh, growing up, music was always huge in our house. We always had music on and playing. I grew up with three brothers, all very passionate about music. Uh, like I said, my one brother who who plays, he's quite an accomplished musician and, and plays in bands uh, and has for for a while. And and then even my brothers who, who don't play uh, are always and always were listening to music. So growing up the youngest of, of three boys who are big into music is it, kind of always there. And then the other thing I, I think that really kept me playing music as well, it's my involvement in, in different churches that I've been in and, and things like that. And just the huge connection of music to worship as well. And so while Badgerland is not a place that I take my music too seriously all the time, I think there's always that influence there as well. I genuinely believe that humans were created to create. I think that's pretty apparent when you look at what we accomplish in the world. Um, I think what we're doing here is a reflection of something uh, much greater. And I think music is a beautiful way that that's expressed. And I think just the, the fact that people respond to it so readily, yeah, it's just really interesting. So can you tell me about um, how the recording of Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence came to be? Um, that one really struck me the instant I heard it. And uh, it's, it's such a surprising arrangement of a you know, traditional hymn. Yeah, uh, it's well. What I usually would do when I when I'm trying to come up with a song for a Christmas album, and there've been a few before that one was recorded. I'm kind of running out of ideas, and traditional Christmas music is quite beautiful and fun to do on the guitar. If you sit down and try to figure out some finger picking style to go over the the, the chords, uh, and then there's usually some really nice harmonies, especially Christmas old Christmas carols and hymns ones in the minor key are always really interesting, right? So usually yeah. I, I kind of layer down some guitar and I have no idea where I'm going with it, but I play acoustic guitar the most. And so it usually ends up sounding kind of folky. So it kind of started with that. And then um, I had an electric guitar kicking around that I don't play enough. So usually I feel guilty enough to try to include it in one way or the other, otherwise I shouldn't have bought it. So there's always got to be an electric guitar track somewhere in it. So I did that kind of playing westerny sound on it and then my brother had visited shortly before christmas and so he added kind of the the lead or the main lick that you're hearing throughout the song and it kind of took it in a completely different direction than what you would think uh an old hymn like that would 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 go but it but it sounds quite interesting and then the other thing that i really like about it um i have a, a kalimba which is like a little thumb piano from south africa got it from my my wife's grandmother's attic and it's you know mm. perfectly in tune to the key of G, uh, but you can kind of hear it doing that, beating out that rhythm in the background. And so I've always been really interested when I make music to to not try to think of a genre and play into it or uh, say, okay, these things don't belong together. You know, if it sounds interesting, just try it. And I'll just layer things on top. Usually becomes a, a complete mess of sound or a wall of sound of, of some kind, but sometimes it kind of works out. And I think with that song, stuff just kind of clicked together nicely, so I left it there. Yeah, I don't really know what else to say. It's kind of an, an organic process. I don't have a huge plan before I start recording it. I don't map it out or anything. It's just 
play the guitar, then sing on top, then add something. Does it sound good? Keep it. Does it not? No, don't keep it. <laughs> something else. Add something else. Add something else. Oh no, it's already December 21st. We better finish this. Uh, let's post right. it. <laughs> That's usually the process. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, so this past Sunday, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence came around as one of the hymns we sang at uh, at our service. And afterwards, I was talking to um, the uh, priest at my parish, and she uh, listens to the podcast. And she uh, remarked that, you know, we only sing it the traditional way twice a year, whereas your version is showing up in her uh, on her iPhone every week. Uh, so yours has replaced the uh, one on the big pipe organ as the authoritative version in her mind. Oh, that's a little bit scary to me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I don't know if those sounds so, um, in our mind as forefront of that song, but I, you know, again, it's an honor. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're able to use uh, this music because uh, you uh, licensed the uh, song and actually I think most or all of the stuff on Badgerland under Creative Commons. Uh, just interested in why you've chosen to go down that route, because I certainly appreciate it. For me personally, and I can't speak for everyone who's done it on Badgerland, except that I just told them I was going to do it, and if they wanted to be a part, they'd have to agree to that, otherwise it makes it awkward. But I personally, I like doing it because I don't, again, I don't consider myself a musician professionally. I don't see this as a way to make income. And I do it for the sake of doing it. I do it because I enjoy creating it. It's a creative outlet. And I think when I when I started looking into the Creative Commons licensing or, or copyleft movement, uh, different, different ways I've heard it referred to, and just how freeing it is and how it opens channels for people to take and repurpose your, your work, uh, either remixing it into a completely new song or, or as you have in a podcast, using it um, to kind of do something that you are equally passionate about and also probably not generating a ton of revenue from um, uh, yeah zero zero dollars <laughs> probably pretty lucrative and you're probably lying to me but it doesn't matter <laughs> you're making a ton of money uh using that song to me you know good for you and, and that if anything that just proves that it was a cool song and 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 again i don't I, I feel like I'm I'm channeling the creativity, which which is a gift, and I think I think it should be shared. And now I'm not against people copyright copywriting their music. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just think um, if somebody's approaching it, looking at the business model of of selling music and performing, then of course there should be some some rights retained. But the beauty of the the Creative Commons licensing is there's different licenses, and you can choose kind of what sort of or what level of uh, things that you're going to retain when you when you post it. A lot of those old traditional songs and stuff are public domain. And that's that's also what leads me to things like Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence, which which oh. it's very easy to find some public domain uh, music that you can play and not have to worry about the, the copyright holdings on uh, or any original tunes that people send me. That's that's the stuff that I really, uh, really appreciate because it's showing that people are kind of going out and, and looking for something properly. This podcast is a podcast uh, about prayer, so I feel like I would uh, be uh, remiss uh, ending this interview without asking you, what's something, it doesn't have to be anything deep or anything, but what's something important to you about your spiritual life? Uh, I, there's a lot. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big question. Uh, I, I've grown up in the church, uh, specifically in the, the Christian Reformed 
church, the uh, Reformed tradition here. Uh, traditionally, with Dutch heritage, my parents were both born in Holland and, and emigrated to Canada, and there's pretty strong kind of historical and cultural connection to that church. Uh, but as I've yeah. grown up and, and gone to university and gone out on my own and done a lot of thinking and, and uh, getting involved in, in different groups and uh, different churches, I've kind of come back full circle and I really connect with the Reformed tradition and, and the things that are going on in my church right now. I, I, I feel really convicted about kind of the preaching and the teaching and, and the community that's going on there. This idea that, that God can be working uh, right now on earth in his kingdom and, and restoring creation and, and that we can be a part of that, I think, is, is a hugely hopeful thing. And uh, to me, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to live into. It's not, it's, it's not something that, you know, well, we'll struggle through here on earth until, until the second coming. And when that happens, then things will be good. It's, it's something that, that we can live joyfully in right now. And so for me, spirituality means that. It means the most mundane things in life uh, become beautiful because you, you can find God's work in, in those things. And, and I think that ties nicely back to our, our like talking about music and talking about um, cultivating and creating things and, and finding that beauty and that hope uh, kind of woven in God's creation. It's not something that's easy to, I, I find easy to reduce into words, uh, but when you feel it, yeah. And, and when you understand it and when you find that in community, I, to me, that is the most uh, uh, spiritual experience um, that, that I find valuable, yeah. Well, thank you uh, so much for sharing that. And thanks again for uh, all the creative work you do. I will look forward to the uh, 2015 Christmas album and maybe you'll get a submission from a couple of crazy podcasters. Hey, that would be pretty interesting. Holly. Yes. Did you hear his invitation to submit a song for the Badgerland album this Christmas? I did, and I'm both uh, overjoyed and horrified. (laughs) (laughs) I think the world will mostly be horrified um, when they hear our submission. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Aaron must listen to the podcast often, or he would have heard me sing and rescinded that invitation. (laughs) He's not going to know what hit, what hit him. No. But, but what a great guy. I'm so glad that he was willing to do that. Yeah, and like a week after having a baby, or yeah. I guess after his wife had the baby. I mean, I know dads do work too, but, you know, let's yes. give some credit where credit is due. Indeed. Indeed. And I know he's in Canada, but I just wish he had been at the live show and seen the way everybody reacted and started dancing <laughs> when All Mortal Flesh Keeps Silence came on. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's basically my favorite hymn now. It's totally mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, now that we have heard from the wind beneath our wings, mm. um, maybe... We should spend a little time talking about what it is we've learned doing this show for a hundred episodes. We were supposed to learn something. (laughs) You you didn't tell me that. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have learned Uh, that there are three minutes of raw audio for every one minute of actual audio that makes it into a show. (laughs) I have learned that... um, Brendan is 
probably the hardest working lay person in the Episcopal Church. <laughs> I don't know that that's true. But I am probably right. the most fastidious editor. <laughs> well, I just know that without this podcast, I would not have known. And I'm sorry to be spoiling this, Brendan. I would not have known to have gotten Brendan the entire Bunnykins collection for our anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so that's what's coming late? <laughs> They're hopping slowly. <laughs> slowly. Except for the one in the bumper to, car. He had to roust them out of hibernation. <laughs> <laughs> Put down those nuts. Get over here. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, I, I feel like I don't even know how, where to start on what I've learned. I mean, honestly, I think... And I'm not. I'm trying not to be too uh, hyperbolic, but this has been a life-changing experience for me. How how, how would you? How so? Um. Well, one, it helped me and continues to help me. I guess find my own voice in matters of faith and theology and um, whatever else we end up talking yeah. about on here. <laughs> Cats. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag cat disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other thing too is that without question this has been the longest uh, running spiritual discipline I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true for me too. I think I've had stints of praying the daily office that have lasted, like, maybe a little bit more than a year, but this is a solid 18 months. Oh, yeah. I've never gotten past, like, six months of anything. What about you? Well, you know, there, there are a couple things for me. Um, one is that it has been so cool meeting other lay people and clergy around the church who have you know listened to our show and responded to it and then you know that they reach out to us and it's kind of inevitable that at a certain point if you tweeted us long enough you're probably going to be a guest oh yeah so uh, and, and there's a couple of you twitterers who are listening to this um we know who you are um we just haven't worked out the schedule yet Yes, but we're coming for yep. you. Don't, don't think you're hiding. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's so cool because with clergy, there's natural networks that are built in that clergy around the church can know each other from, you know, seminary or credo or all those kinds of things. And mm -hmm. by and large, lay people don't have that ability. Uh, and no. this podcast has really helped create that for me, that we've, you know, that there are people who we just started chatting with on Twitter, some of whom have, have become friends. Yeah, and and um, hopefully not too much of a spoiler alert, but, you know, one thing that Brendan and I have been talking a great deal about is how to really expand that, that network of lay people into something a little bit more tangible uh, and accessible to those few people in the world who don't tweet. <laughs> you know, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we're hoping to, to kind of spin off something cool. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what it's going to look like yet, but we want to uh, keep some momentum on that going. Yeah. What has been the hardest part of this for you? 
there's the time, obviously, but that doesn't feel hard because it's fun. No. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest part for me, but this is honestly probably the, the single thing that I value the most about this show, is that um, listeners who have listened way back in the back catalog will know uh, that between the first and second episode of the show, my mother died unexpectedly. And um, so I, you know, right at the beginning of this podcast, my faith was challenged in a really big way. Um, you know, th- there was, uh, I, you know, I don't know if it hadn't been for saying we're going to do seven episodes of this podcast. Let's just, let's do it. Um, you know, I, I don't know any other way that, that could have helped me stay engaged in my faith that way. Um, and the, the other thing related to that is that, you know, that morning that I got the news, um, you know, shock kind of took over my system. And literally my brain was just repeating verses from the Bible and verses from the Book of Common Prayer back and forth, that there was this sort of thinking of things that I could cling to that um, took over. And looking at that with some distance now, uh, it's clear to me that you know, there are pieces of scripture and pieces of liturgy uh, that have sunk into my bones, that they are a part of me. And it's been so great to really explore those words that, that, that are so close to me in a really deep way that, you know, I, I know the cadences and the rhythms and all that, uh, but to dig into the meaning has been really amazing. Yeah. And it probably won't surprise anybody to know that, you know, hashtag hatchet for life. Um, I'm a little skeptical about the upcoming revisions to the Book of Common Prayer, um, but it's probably going to happen. And I just hope that SCLM and all the others who are working on revisions um, keep in mind the power that these words can have and try to come up with something beautiful um, and don't throw Cranmer or Hatchet or the Reverend Dr. Massey Shepherd Jr. out. Look, I will leave the church and form like Shepherdism if we have to. <laughs> <laughs> Which it turns out we now have resources to be able to do. <laughs> yes, you know, speaking of people who don't tweet, um, <laughs> we. At General Convention 2015, um, you know, I I think I might have talked about this before on a podcast, um, but one of the most bizarre things that happened to me there, and also really cool, was that occasionally someone would run up to me and say, oh my god, you're the collect call! (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I know you had the same experience. In fact, once I had someone from, like, I was I was not facing them and I forget who it was but they tapped me on their shoulder and said I'm so sorry to interrupt you but I heard you talking and I knew it was you (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so cool 
I know. And I was like, that is really awesome. And now I know what Britney Spears feels like. And that is something I've always aspired to. <laughs> well, so, if, if, we're, if we're thinking about radio, you know what Diane Reem and Lynn Rosetta Casper feel like. <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's exactly right. Um, Howard Stern, all those people. <laughs> Thank you for neutralizing the NPR references with Howard Stern. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> So anyway, one of the folks that, that I got to meet, and I guess, Brendan, was it the, your first time meeting him as well? Yeah, yeah. He actually only discovered the podcast shortly before convention. Oh, that's and... right, because he was like frantically catching up on back episodes, and we were dropping them day after day. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, our, our friend and, and super fan and previous guest of the show, Dave Hedges, uh, the, the, the reverend father dave hedges um <laughs> Brendan and i both received mysterious packages in the mail over the past week we did um and and um they were each each package was from our friend dave and um package that i received is a, a lovely letter our our friend dave is a big fan of the postal service yes <laughs> and, and handwritten communication so he wrote a letter saying that he appreciated how frequently we use Marion Hatchett's book on a commentary. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hello, cat. <laughs> Hashtag cat disclaimer. Um, it was a whiteout. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a cat just walked in front of my webcam, <laughs> momentarily distracting my co-host um, <laughs> anywho he said that he appreciated how frequently we used hatchet's commentary on the prayer book and um he had recently discovered a book that is the commentary on the 1928 prayer book and this book called the oxford american prayer book commentary was authored by no less than the Reverend Dr. Massey Shepherd Jr. And I received a uh, similar package in the mail, uh, and it is a book called The Living Liturgy by the Reverend Dr. Massey Shepherd Jr. as well. Although um, it's not totally clear to me uh, that uh, he had his PhD yet, or his Doctor of Divinity. Yeah, he's, um, not, he's not listed as a reverend here. But he is in the in the um, what's that called the dedication. Hmm. He says that that he's dedicating the book to the presiding bishop Henry Knox Sherrill, um, with the affection of one whom he ordained to the ministry. Ooh, cool. So. I assume that he was, in fact, a reverend. So this one is in grateful memory of William Palmer Ladd and Frederick Whitney Fitz, who lived more nearly as they prayed. Ooh. I found uh, one paragraph in this book nicely distilled some of the stuff that we've learned from the collects over the last year and some of the importance of liturgy. Mm -hmm. And he writes, It is the very purpose of liturgy to recall to us and revive in us what we should pray for and how we should pray. Call it a mechanical crutch, if you like. Yet how far would our intercessions reach beyond the circle of our immediate preoccupations without a guide, such as, for example, the litany? Would we in these days be so ready to pray that it may please thee to forgive our enemies, persecutors, and slanderers, and to turn their hearts? 
And what fullness of truth is enshrined in the liturgy, in phrases profound and refined, restore thou those who are penitent according to thy promises, whose service is perfect freedom, thine inestimable love in the redemption of the world, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cool. Yeah. I'm not so hot on right one these days. Yeah. But anyway, and we've seen so much of that in the collects that they make us stop and think when we finally stop to hear them. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we said that from the very beginning that um, this was what we wanted to to do is to unpack these little nuggets of prayer that we are often not paying attention to. And I think we have certainly done that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I can throw in something that I've learned. I would like that. Yes. By listening a lot <laughs> over a long time <laughs> is that I think that you two have been very excellent examples of people finding joy in liturgy while remaining prayerful i mean you laugh all the time (laughs) that's true yeah you always also come back to um what you believe and what you struggle with and where you find faith and meaning in god and i think it's i think it's really i think it's it's been an amazing thing to see and listen to Aww. Yay. And thank you Hi. for tolerating all the time this yeah. takes. <laughs> yeah. Frank is like the has the patience of Job as I steal his husband away every <laughs> week for when Brendan's like, um, I have to go, dinner's ready. Yeah, and it's like ten o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, if you don't get in here now, I'm drinking your glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be okay. Yeah. Yay. Yay. And, you know, honestly, I think that um, the the best thing that's happened to me as a result of doing this for 100 episodes is getting to know you, Brendan. You know, we didn't hardly, we hardly knew each other at all when we first started doing this. We, we had met exactly one time. One time. Yeah. Wow, look at this. Aww. We're overdue to visit you, by the way. Yeah, I know. I need to come up there, too. It's yeah. been crazy. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. Maybe sometime in Advent. Ooh, that is actually a good time because my kid's not playing soccer during the <laughs> cold months. That, yeah. that tends to take up all my weekends in the fall and spring. You know, Chelsea. She's yeah. got freckles, so it's hard to tell her no. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we have anything else to say? Yes, I think we have a couple of other a couple of other thanks. I feel like I'm giving my Oscar speech, you know. <laughs> I'd like to thank the Academy. No, but I really would like to say thanks to the other members of the Via Media Collective. Absolutely. Um, Easter people that we talked about previously in Padres Pods. They have been very helpful to us. And hopefully we've been able to be a little bit helpful to them. Yeah, and there's also been just this explosion of Episcopal podcasts within the last year. Uh, so even outside the v- the superior podcasts of the Via Media Collective, there's also Popping Collars <laughs> and Priest yeah. Pulse and Daily Office User's Guide and Daily Office in Real Time 
and I feel like I'm missing one, but those are the only ones I can think of right now. Yeah. Only in Episcopal podcasting does an explosion equal five. (laughs) (laughs) Look, you got to start somewhere. (laughs) Look, dude. Um, You're right, though. Yeah, we just happened to kind of time this with the the beginning of of cereal and all of that kind of... Actually, we were pre-cereal, weren't we? We were pre-cereal. So, Basically, yeah. Sarah Koenig was inspired by us. Basically, yes, <laughs> that is true. Mark Marin, um, some of the other big time podcasters, Chris yeah. Hardwick, they all came from us. <laughs> and, and the other folks that I would like to say thanks to uh, specifically are our um, colleagues at the Axe 8 movement who were willing to uh, take a chance on the unknown kids. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still not sure that they have resolved their feelings about this. <laughs> I, I don't know that they should. <laughs> you know, but they were willing to uh, provide us the financial support to get started, um, to host the podcast on their site, and um, that, believing that what we were doing was in some ways proclaiming resurrection in the church and uh, hopefully we've been able to do that a little bit yeah and far from being our oppressing overlords uh the reverend david <laughs> simon has or excuse me the reverend david sibley uh has provided us with some awesome technical support uh and uh, of course the reverend david simmons has provided our incidental music indeed what else what else do we want to say i feel like we should have written some like a quatrain or something i don't know i think I think, I think we're good. We'd like to thank everybody who tweets at us. Yes, and listens and downloads and tells their friends. Yeah. And if you would like to do something special to celebrate this marvelous occasion, here are a couple of things you could do. One, you could tweet at us at the Collect Call. Or if you don't tweet Dave Hedges, you can send us an email <laughs> at thecollectcall at axe8movement.org. Well, Dave uh, Hedges just sends us regular mail. Forget I know, about now the he e. knows where we live. <laughs> <laughs> I really do feel like Britney Spears now. <laughs> you know, you can share our podcast with a friend. That would be really cool. Um, we love it when uh, our listeners think that we're worth sharing. And you can keep praying for us and for our ministry. I know that you guys do because I can tell. I have a secret um, meter that tells me when people are praying for me. (laughs) So it's pretty cool. Um, But seriously, the people that listen to our show are the best listeners. We we do have the best audience. It's the truth. And you can also pray for Frank that he will not drink Brendan's wine. You should also check out our very patient parent organization, the Acts 8 Movement, at, uh, on the web at acts8movement.org, or on Facebook and Twitter at Acts 8 Movement. Well, this is like the biggest thing that's happening in the church this week, right? Yeah, there, there's one other thing that's like almost as big, but, but not quite. What's that? Um, the installation of our new presiding bishop. Mm, yeah. Well, here's the deal. Here's how I feel about that. There have only been 27 presiding bishops. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I see your point. (laughs) But you wouldn't want there to be a new presiding bishop every week. (laughs) Right? That That would be hell. That is also really fair. Yeah. (laughs) 
No, for real, everybody. Um, I, I, I could not be more excited about the future of this church uh, under the leadership of Michael Curry. And, uh, you know, if you don't have a chance to get to the National Cathedral to see it, like um, almost everybody in the church, uh, there is going to be a live stream and you should check it out and pray along with the rest of the church as we launch into a new chapter. Yes, very exciting. Brendan and I did our civic duty and got a selfie with Bishop Curry in Salt Lake City this summer, so I'm sure he'll be thinking about us as well. I, I, I'm almost certain of it. Yeah. Yeah. Our music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, distributed under a Creative Commons license. Find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. And um, all this wild celebration means that we are actually going to be taking a week off next week because Brendan is... I'm going to be in Nigeria. Nigeria. And I have... I wonder if Dave Hedges will send you a package there. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't even be against recording an episode there, but I have no idea what my Wi-Fi situation is going to be like. Anyway, to tide you all over, we might be dropping a special show uh, of an interview with uh, some church planters that we did in June, uh, but haven't completed editing yet. If I have some time on the flight to Lagos, um, and it's a pretty long flight. Uh, I might get that edited and posted, provided the Wi-Fi situation allows. And if not, we'll be back very soon with episode 101. That's right. Yeah. Um, thanks, you guys. Thanks, everybody. We're so happy you listen. Yay. Happy 100 episodes! Woo! Viva la calico! Let our mortal flesh keep silence. And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly minded For with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended Our full homage to Ceaseless voice they cry.